Welcome to the Brotherhood of Fatherhood podcast. This is your host, Scott Ramage. And on this episode, I get to talk with Brennan Taylor. Brennan is an online coach. He's the father of two. He has a daughter and a son. He's been married for 13 years and together with his wife for 15. And a little bit like me, Brennan is a fan of anything that has to do with the board. He's a, he can skate. He likes to surf bodyboard snowboard and so we have a little bit of a um, kinship there and uh, uh, I'm quite jealous because he lives on the southern coast of California and go surf how you doing Brennan uh, doing great man thanks so much for having me on today yeah welcome to the show it's uh, super fun so you're a, a southern are you southern California yes sir Long Beach Long Beach. Okay. Cause I've seen, uh, lots of pictures and, um, posts of you over the years on, on Facebook, uh, uh, doing some, doing some wave work. Yeah, man. Um, I, that's kind of like my, my zone where I go to clear my head is I like to get out in the ocean and bodyboard, especially if it's a heavy shore break and like to get barreled, man. So yeah, that's, that's it. That's really, that's really cool. Uh, I've always kind of dreamed of that being a guy that really feels at home on a board, but, uh, you know, I've never done it. So <laughs> there's that. Well, <laughs> yeah, yeah. We'll get you out here one day and we'll get you in the ocean, man. That's right. Is it, see, I think I'm a, I'm a little, I'd be a little nervous. That water makes me nervous. <laughs> I can't see under it. <laughs> it's not, I'm not worried about that. It's always just the cold, man. It's just the cold. Oh yeah. Absolutely, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I grew up on the Oregon, uh, up in Oregon and the coast there, the water is like 55 degrees. So it can't be that oh. warmer down where you're at. Oh, it's well at that, when it gets that cold, it's definitely warmer, man. <laughs> 60 degrees is definitely different than 55 for sure. Yeah. Okay. I got you. I got you. So, yeah. um, so tell me a little bit about being a, a dad. Let me just throw you to the wolves here. Tell me what it's like for you being a dad. Oh, <laughs> uh, I mean, honestly, I, I, I love it. You know, I, I really love both my kids and you know, it, it came early on. It came as a shock me and my wife weren't actually planning on having kids but um well we were gonna have kids but we weren't at that place in our relationship yet and she got pregnant early on and we had um my first daughter cassie just a year after we had met and so it was kind of quick you know three months after we met uh, she got pregnant and we had my daughter cassidy and uh you know life changed at that time but i i truly enjoy being a father um my dad was around so to speak when my parents divorced early on so i i think i kind of maybe don't overcompensate but since my dad wasn't there i really try to be there for my kids as much as i can and just try to praise them and help them grow you know as as best as i can that's really the biggest thing for me is to make sure that i'm there for them i have the ear for them and i can share my life with them you know so trying to get them out in the water trying to get them snowboarding all the things that i enjoy to do i like to do with them and so the the experience of being a father has been really rewarding for me. Yeah. So you did did you know your dad growing up, or was he completely absent? Um, I knew I might knew my father. My parents said divorced early on, and um, they we kind of shared the custody. So I'd see mm -hmm. my father twice a week, and then on the weekends. And um, so you know, it was kind of like that. I was always I was raised by my mom, and I lived with my mom most yeah. of the time. And then every other weekend I would spend with my father. And so that's kind of how the relationship was there. And, um, you know, my dad, he was in and out of my life quite a bit. Like, so he wouldn't show up sometimes and we'd have that going on. And so that's why I always, like I said, in the last statement is that I really want to be there 
for my kids and let them know that I'm always there. Like, I don't want them to ever have that feeling of where, you know, I may not show up someday. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. And I just actually was writing, um, I was sitting here writing right before our podcast. And the thing I was writing about is, um, the legacy and, and the fact that what we do right now with our, our kids is it's, it doesn't end. And it, 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 what I mean by that is, Yes, we are. We we will pass away. We will move on. Um, we will not be alive the entire time they are alive, alive. Um, and so, but we leave a legacy, right? Like everything we teach them and the ways that we uh, interact with them and model for them leaves a legacy into how they then turn and and um, raise their kids. So, where did you get your where do you get your model of fatherhood? You know, that, that I would say has been more of a struggle because Mm -hmm. I didn't quite have that so well because I wasn't around my father really to do like the disciplining for me and be in that space to kind of hold the line. I mean, he would, but it would be always on a, like kind of a secondhand nature. Like my mom would be like, you know, Brennan did this and that. And then my dad would then discipline me and it would just be more like a, a sit down and talk. But like, as it comes to a model, I mean, I guess I'm just kind of creating it as I go and, you know, looking around at other people that influenced me, my best friend's dad, like I really admire him. He's always been a great guy. He's still in my life now. And I, I kind of look at maybe how he would do things, but in reality, I'm just trying to do it in a way that feels right for me. Mm-hmm. And of course I, you know, I have my own errors and I don't, I don't discipline probably as well as I should be in some cases. I'm more of a friend and I should probably should try to draw that line a little bit more, but that's kind of, a, again, I think maybe some fallout from why, when my dad wasn't around. And so just trying to, to be conscious of that is helping out a little bit, but that's, that's basically how I draw the model. Yeah. I think a lot of men actually really struggle with the discipline angle. In fact, I, I actually can say, I don't think I actually know <laughs> just from the conversations having led this group. Uh, I, I see it. I hear it a lot. I get asked a lot of questions around, around discipline. Why do you think that that's so hard? Um, and I, I would say it's harder for, for um, men who didn't have father figures. Why is that so hard for you? Um, I think for me, um, I, I don't want to be the friend, but I, I find myself in that place trying to make sure that I don't drive them away. My daughter, you know, turning 15 in a month or month and a half or so, you know, like she's at an age where she actually like our relationship is really, really good, but I'm at a place where I know where I was at 15 and I wanted someone to be able to kind of speak to openly and trust in. And I didn't, I don't think I had that. And so I want to be that person for her, but at the same time, it's hard to draw that line of like, you know, where does the friendship end and the discipline happen so that I can create a a young lady who respects, you know, um, her friends, respects people and has a good open mind about everything so that, you know, so that she can always turn to me and we can have that relationship with each other. And she's, when she becomes a mother, she'll be able to have, be that person for them and not too much discipline and also still being able to have an ear for what her children may need. Yeah. Yeah. You know, sometimes I take it for granted my own circumstances where my parents had a, a really great rapport with my sister and I, but something they told me is like, look, we're going to trust you until we're given until we know not to trust you, you know, till you give us, until you give us the proof that we can't, but one of the things that um, we've worked really hard with our kids 
um, and I, I learned this from my parents, is that no matter what happens, we're going to love you. Like we, we, we say that over and over again, that no matter what decisions you make, we're going to love you. And when you do make a decision and it doesn't turn out right, you can, you can come to us and know 100% that that's not going to change how we're going to feel about you. And, it, and it's going to be a safe place. Now, the counterpart of that is there may cease, be some consequences, but understand the first thing we're going to do is we're going to help you. And um, did you have that like growing up with your mom or, or is that something you've had a conversation with your kids with kind of that approach? Uh, that I, I haven't actually felt like I may have said that, it, you know, but I don't, I don't think I've actually had that full conversation with them. I feel that that's what we lead with though. It's almost that exact same example is that I'm going to trust you, you know, and, and someone said once like you can, you can take a deck of cards to the top of the grand Canyon and you let them all go. You could probably go down to the bottom and retrieve them, but you probably can't retrieve them all. And that's kind of how I look at trust. And I told that story to her before <laughs> and hoping they understand that, you know, like once you kind of lose trust, there'll always be that, maybe that doubt. And I don't ever want to kind of have that with them. And so, you know, that's how I lead is I, like you said, as I try to make sure that they, that we lead with trust first and until they, you know, disobey that trust, then that's when they're going to have consequences. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's an awesome thing. And I, one thing I've learned as a parent is you can't over communicate these things, right? Like I remember being a teen and one minute I was thinking about, well, I wouldn't say what I was thinking about, you know, it's like your, your mind is completely fleeting and we can't over communicate those things. So you have a 15 or almost 15 year old daughter, um, a lot of, uh, has she, would you say she's been easy as a kid? Now it depends on what we're talking about easy. Like, so she was a great baby. <laughs> she was a great baby. She was a, a, a great child like that, you know, but as she got into her nine, 10, 11, she became very, you know, I think a lot of people notice this at around that age that, you know, they start to talk back a little bit more, yeah. uh, a little less obedient to you and like just becoming themselves. And so at that time she was a little bit hard to handle. Um, we did run into some issues in her seventh grade year, I believe, where she, she was kind of hurting herself and we found out that she was kind of like almost over empathizing with oh, right. uh, a, a friend and like taking on other people's feelings and fears and so you know that was a, that was something I learned about here a little challenging for us um but she's been besides that was like one of the major things and that was more with her and not so much with us I mean it's hard to say that as being a parent of course it's with us but that it was just something that we had to learn about her so that we could understand that she's very emotional and she she empathized a lot and you know she also had she's come out she's come out to us as being bisexual and that had been a, an experience um that you know i wasn't it was kind of out of the blue i didn't i didn't expect it you know but she she was op very open about it and very confident in herself and again we were very trusting and um totally understand that's not a problem and you know we really supported her in that so you know in general she's been a really really good kid but there's there has been some of those hiccups and some hard times growing up, you know, raising her to this point. Yeah. And, and, um, your wife, uh, what does she do for a living? She works, correct? Uh, she, yeah. She's a, she's a kindergarten teacher. She's taught for the right. last 25 years and she teaches, uh, she's taught K through sixth grade. Yeah. It seems like I had kind of remembered you said she was a teacher. So do you guys approach, how do you guys approach your, your parenting? Um, 
together? I mean, is, is there unity there or kind of walk us through that? <laughs> um, I wish there was more unity. Um, we, again, it's not that we don't disagree on things. We, we try to raise them in the same way we can, but um, like there is a disconnect somewhat between her and I, I mean, I think sometimes maybe she doesn't think that I discipline them enough. Maybe I'm, I'm in the background and not being there. She feel, I feel like she's the one who yells more than I do. Mm -hmm. (laughs) I don't know if that's the right way to say it, but we, you know, again, the whole, the model of the trust first and, um, and just being there for them is what we truly try to do. My son has recently gotten into gaming. Oh my gosh. And that's proven to be a real hurdle for us. Oh yeah. Um, how to, how to approach that because I've always wanted to be someone who supported support what they do, but I don't automatically support what he's doing with that. And so that's been a hard thing for both of us to kind of come to agreements with on. She, she doesn't want him to really do it at all. And I, and I kind of want to meet him in the middle and we were having some issues drawing boundaries there. So it's been, it's been challenging in that fact. And we've had to communicate a lot more around this than we've had to commute, communicate probably about any other discipline thing that we've had going on. And that's kind of where I was leading uh, was, you know, the communication between husband and wife, but you also brought up a very common thing. I think it's important to point out that it's extremely common um, that the husband and wife will often have completely different ways of viewing discipline or handling situations. And it becomes a, it can become a wedge. Like it, it really can. I know that like my wife is, is, it sounds like a lot more like your wife, really, like, really um, disciplinarian. And I'm, I'm way more, I move slower into it. Right. And then, um, yes. and I was talking to a gentleman who, who actually teaches people on a, on a, on a um, platform, I think it's called love and logic. And he's like, you know, I would, I would talk to my kids in a way and it, my wife felt like I was, it was threatening and I felt like she wasn't doing anything. And, it, and it, it's just, it's a very, very common thing where, um, where there's just two completely different approaches and it, it comes down to communication. Like you got to communicate and understand how each one ticks. It sounds like you guys are working on that and man, gaming. Yeah. I, the gaming thing gaming. is, Ugh. the gaming thing's really tough for me because I don't, I, I mean, I, I played Contra. <laughs> I don't yeah, know if you right, remember Contra, right. yeah. <laughs> you know, and Street yeah. Fighter. And I did do that stuff, but it, 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 with the computers and the way it is now, it's it's very much in your face and all the time. And I've act, we've actually recently really noticed how bad his attitude and his actions are after he plays for an extended amount of time. And I don't know if that's overstimulation or what's going on, you know, but we really had a, a meltdown earlier this week after him being on Zoom all day and then him playing the game, skipping eating because he's so in tune with the game. And then all of a sudden we ask him to go to his baseball practice and he just, he crumbled. And we think a lot of that has to do with how he responds and then how we respond back because he's so quick to fire back at us. So it, that has definitely been a challenge. And, you know, when, when it, we do, I, I kind of look at the way when I discipline is them is that I think she, she would like to see more of, um, some swifter action. When you said, you know, like I move a little slower into it. Cause I, I think I approach it a little bit more as coaching in some respects that I want to, I want to understand their problems. And then I want to ask questions to them so that they come to the conclusion that I would like to have them get to. And it doesn't automatically mean raising my voice or having a very swift hand, so to speak, not like I hit my kids, but not having a swift hand at the, at the issue that right then. And I think for her, you know, she's, she's been in the teaching world for a long time. And so like, you got 30, 
25 kindergartners, you know, you try to nip it in the bud, I think pretty quick. So, yeah. yeah. <laughs> so I think that's maybe a little difference how we do it, but communication, like you said, is key. Usually after we have a scenario where we argued that maybe we would, um, we would sit down and talk and I would kind of say, this is what, what my objective was. I hope you'd understand it. And you know, nobody's perfect. It doesn't always work out uh, the way you want when we're done. But in general, we, we seem to be able to squash it before we go to bed. You know, if something like that happens. Yeah, that's important. It's, it's important. If someone's, you know, I was raised, you'd never go to bed mad with your spouse. Uh, that's always a good, <laughs> a good piece of advice. Well, yeah, waking up next morning and looking over and they still have that scorn in their eyes, you know, it doesn't go very well. <laughs> no, it doesn't. No, it doesn't. Uh, and I found that usually uh, that equates to me asking for forgiveness, whether I'm right, wrong, or it's indifferent. I'm, I'm just going to go all out and, and be the guy that I'm going to, I'm going to fall on that sword. Usually it is my fault anyway, but <laughs> yeah, I have a tendency of putting my foot in my mouth. And so, you know, that, that's pretty much how I'd say I'd fall too, you know? <laughs> uh, uh, well, so, you know, you're, you're going through what I would call the tumultuous years. You know, um, I have a 12 year old boy and a 16 year old boy. And I would say um, the first one, 16 Bryson was a, a pretty, it's just, just really kind of easy going, super simple, but now we're at 16 and, you know, that presents whole, whole new challenges. And then um, 12 years old and you talked about your daughter being in seventh grade. It's just middle school years, man. I mean, you're, you're yeah. dealing with middle school years and that's where you brought up the two biggest things that you're working with your son gaming now that he's getting a little older and your daughter in their middle school is like, uh, we're just, glutton for punishment, everybody brace in, dig those heels in and, and be resilient during those years. Right. Yeah, for yeah. sure, man. The, the middle school was a, is a shock. My son is finishing fifth grade this year. He's, he's kind of like, he was, we didn't hold him back, but he was right on the cusp. Oh, and yeah. so I, I, it, I'm, it, I'm interested because when they change the school and they go to this other place and it, it, there's this different kind of freedom and these new issues that they get into with the kids, that's when like they all of a sudden are changing. Cause I don't think in general, they know themselves as well as they thought they did. And then all of a sudden you have all this additional stimulus that comes into their life. And I think it creates a challenge for them and turn a challenge for us. For sure. For sure. Well, among all of that, the reason that I reached out to you uh, was because I've been watching you with your business over the last couple of years and um, you being in, you know, the Southern California area where shutdowns have been forced uh, and you had a, you owned a gym and, um, and what I've watched from the outside was what I would call a really difficult time for you. I mean, the last few months. And, and, and so I kind of wanted to talk to you about, um, you know, going head, head first into difficult things. Because, you know, I say often you, you should do hard things every day because I feel like that's the training or the preparation for when life demands hard things. And I think you, you're um, going through some hard things right now. And so I thought, what better way to kind of talk about this than to talk about someone who's literally walking it right now. And, and I felt like you've really um, kind of from the outside looking in have done it with grace. So why don't you kind of spell out what I'm alluding to here, if you don't mind to kind of share your story of what's, what's been going on. Yeah. Let me give a little backstory. Um, it's been a, it's been a long road as in building the business. Um, I, I basically started out as a one-on-one trainer years ago at, 
LA fitness. And then from there built my own studio in my house. And then from there kind of got into the CrossFit thing. And, um, from there I moved into an interesting studio in the back of a mechanic shop where the guys would like smoke cigarettes and drink beers. And I was like, this isn't the prime environment for my clients. So then I moved from there and I subleased into another location and they ended up putting another CrossFit in that location, which proved to be another challenge for me. And then I finally got out of that location. I got into the location that I, I just had to close. And, um, that proved to be another challenge. And it's almost like the universe had been talking to me for a long time. And then over the last, I'd say last two years, things have kind of gotten really tough on me, um, not moving into the role that I was supposed to inside the, the facility, um, not being a business owner, but just being a coach inside and not stepping up. Um, I had a lot of hard times. My wife and I had a lot of stress based around it. My wife works out with me. She's a part of the gym. She's been a part of the community and it was hard in that respect because I, you know, I felt there was some obligation to her not that she ever said it, but like, you know, when you take on that role and you, and I built this community is that I, I felt obligated to every person in there. And so that was really weighing on me heavy. And I mean, I can't count the amount of times on like Wednesdays, Wednesdays were always the roughest that I'd wake up to go to the gym and I'd be in like the fetal position on the bed and really not aligning with wanting to do it anymore, but felt feeling so obligated to, to keep going. And then, um, you know, the last year was pretty rough. Um, and then we got into the beginning of this year and I had a little wind in my sails. And again, I was excited. I had brought on some people for a challenge I did early in the year. And then all of a sudden, you know, we had Corona hit and I, and I moved into the role. I was still obligated to my clients. I was still trying to do everything. And I could just feel the, the steam kind of coming out of me, the wind coming out of me. And then this offered me an opportunity to look at it from, you know, like, the bird's eye view. And I, and I just realized that, you know, this is really not what I want to do anymore. I, this afforded me the opportunity to look at that. And there was still so much pride though, and so much guilt that was involved in like getting to that place. And I didn't want to admit it. And then, you know, we opened up, I think it was in June for 23 days, something like that. And, you know, half the people didn't come back, half the people didn't return the calls, you know? And so there was only a limited amount of people. And I realized I'm like, I don't know if I have it in me to try to rebuild what I had. And then we got closed down again. And at that moment, like the wheels pretty much came off the bus for me. And I, I was like, I can't do it anymore. And I, you know, it's, it's really kind of an emotional thing for me to talk about. Cause I'm so, t- I was so tied up into it and, and into my members, but I was, I, I knew what was right for me. I was having so much guilt based around not being there for my kids over the last 10 years. Like, I mean, I was there, but I wasn't always present. I was, right. you know, and so th- that was a big part for me, man. And then making that decision came with a ton of tears and, a, you know, me and my wife just, sobbing and sobbing and hating it and there's still a lot of pain that goes on man yeah and that's that's really kind of what i want to dug into dig into is the several things you mentioned there being around your kids but not being present because um i my story is when i my wife first got pregnant i started a bike shop and for five years i ran that and i literally would be around at times but i wasn't present my mind was always on the business and it really, really, it was going to ruin my, uh, my effect as a father, if I kept on that. So, um, talk a little bit about 
you know, what it's like to be a business owner um, and, and, and being a father and a husband at the same time. Yeah, that's, I mean, that's probably one of the biggest things that, you know, hit home for me was when I was analyzing this is how I wasn't present. And so, you know, owning a business is, it's not a nine to five thing. You like, you never walk away from the business. You're always thinking, especially with like a gym or a membership type of program is that you're always thinking about how are you going to get those next people? How are you going to satisfy the people you have? And then being able to be present with your kids proves to be challenging. I mean, there's so many times when my son was younger that like we'd go to the park, you know, cause I was, since I owned the gym and my hours were always in the morning and in the evening, basically I would be around home with him. But I remember taking him to the park and I would always be on the phone trying to drum up clients or speak out, reach out to people or making a Facebook post and not really being there to enjoy that time with him. And then from the standpoint of like, we went to Laughlin after I'd closed the gym just about a month and a half ago. And I, I swear it was the first time in so many years that I, I was actually not thinking about anything else except for being that moment with my family. And it was like, it, when I came back, I told my, I'm getting a little sobby here, but I told my wife, I was like, I think Mel, that this is the first time in so long that I, that we didn't discuss what was next for the business. And we didn't discuss how things are going or talks, you know, talk about how so-and-so wasn't involved and, you know, why is this? And just, you know, letting everything rest and being able to be together again. I mean, it's not like we're not together, but as I said, it's like, you're not always there in the place that you want to be with that person when you own a business. Yeah. Yeah. And I don't think I want to be clear. I don't think every business owner has that level of, um, drive and, and pull away. And a lot of business owners, uh, don't know that they're doing like, I didn't, I don't think I ever recognized it until it slapped me in the face, right? That I wasn't being present. And then um, I, I don't know where you're at in your journey and it, but what I will say is that count that time where you guys had that, that, um, that trip and you were just in the moment, right? Like embrace that vision, put a envision that over and over again, because I know that coming out of business ownership, and going straight into extra time with my family did not equate to me knowing how to be with my family. <laughs> and so I think that was a real gift. Like, I, I just want to tell you, that was a real gift that you were able to let, let down that much and experience that. Because I had to train myself to do that. It was really hard. Yeah, I think that it, I, what I feel has happened is I've been much more conscious, you know, as I said in my story about the business and over the last two years, how I started to recognize that this maybe wasn't an alignment is that I started to feel like that was something I needed to put effort towards. So when, cause we've always been advocates of going on vacations and, you know, we always try to go to this camp spot every year. We try to take the kids and stuff. And so I think over the last maybe 18 months, I've actually become more conscious of trying to be a a better father and, a, and much more present with it because I knew that the business wasn't aligning, but I, I mean, it, it would still always creep back in. And yeah. like I said, Laughlin felt like the first time that we were able to be together. And like, and like you said, it was a gift. I, I recognized in my heart and I felt it when I left that, wow, this is the, this was, this was special, you know? Yeah. And I've been to much more special places than Laughlin. Let me tell you, that's not my, <laughs> that's not my go-to camping spot. <laughs> so. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But it's, it's not necessarily the place. It's the state of mind, right? Like you finally. Exact. Yeah. And I, I just, I think it's, 
It is it's a gift when we can embrace that time and like let everything else go. And um, I talk a lot about it being intentional. Josh, Josh and I talk a lot about you got to be intentional. That's one of those things. Like when you have time with your family, dedicated time with your family, like learning it's, you have to teach yourself how to do that as a man who has, sometimes I think we feel like we have so much weight on our shoulders. We're carrying the world that we forget that part of that carrying that world is like, um, pretending we don't have the weight of the world on our shoulders and just listening to our kids and our wife. Exactly. And it's funny that you say that because just the other day I was thinking like as an expectation of yourself as a father, that should be one of the high priorities. But instead, sometimes I feel like we, we put all the priority on making the money and trying to do all the things around the house and, and be this. And then if you're doing that in, in a way that doesn't allow you to serve your kids, then something's askew. Yeah. Yeah. But it takes, it takes some time to recognize that sometimes. So, I mean, I know that this hasn't been all uh, butterflies, rainbows, and, and um, unicorns. I mean, I, I, I know this. Uh, so you've closed the gym down and you're pivoting. I mean, <laughs> the word of the year. Uh, what, are you, what are you doing now? And how's that, how's so- that look for your family? Um, you know, I'm, I'm moving into the online space, which is proving to be a, a fairly competitive space, but I'm, in, I'm enjoying the transition. I'm, I'm growing for the first time in a long time. Um, having the gym was like draining and in the, at the, towards the end was almost soul sucking. And now I'm, I'm working on me a lot more because I know that that affects how I come out into the world. And so I've been doing a lot of growth, which has been good. Yeah. Uh, it has been very tough. I do not want to deny that I've shed more tears and had more rough days over the last six months that I've had in a while, but it's, it's been a good thing. And then the reflection towards my family is awesome. Like, so I'm here much more now. I am so much more present, um, being rested and able to, to fulfill on what I, I feel is being a better father has been a, a blessing. Like, so when my kids Brody came to me yesterday and he wanted to go to the bike store and I was like, let's go, you know, in the past, it would have been like, I was tired and I really didn't have the bandwidth to even go do that little adventure with him. So it's been really good from that standpoint. Um, you know, on the business side, I mean, I'm struggling to make a mark in the online world, but that's okay. I think that's just going to come with time and getting myself out there. Well, I would say that that's, that's going to make you, uh, you know, from the outside looking in, I would say that's probably going to make you a better coach. <laughs> when when it does happen, there there's a, you know, you've had so much time to grow, to reflect on growth. And that's kind of one of the things I did a video the other day about the, what we call our, um, our, our comfort abundance continuum, you know, like at the, at the one end you have comfort and you, you know, for you, it was that, that dull, this is my interpretation, so I may be wrong, but owning the gym was a dull comfort of this is the expectation for me. I have this weight on my shoulder. I need to serve all these people. It's what I do. I do it every day. It's, it's, uh, it's, it's not hard. It's not my, my joy, but it's not hard. Um, and now you are stepping out and, and by stepping out, when we do that and we step away from comfort, growth is absolutely uh, and and you have to grow you have to grow and it's extremely uncomfortable but that's the only pathway to abundance you know abundance in your business so how have you grown personally i mean what what sort of things have you done to ensure that you're growing 
Um, you know, the last, um, it started really about eight weeks ago when I'm part of this group and we started doing some mindset work and I really started to look inward a little bit more and realize that I have, um, some flaws and some things. The reason some of the stuff I was doing in the gym was because I was trying to, um, maybe patch some things with a bandaid and not actually trying to solve these things. And the gym was protecting me from actually doing that work from actually looking inward. And so now that I have the bandwidth, we went through some mindset stuff. I've actually spoken to um, Alex with the level method and she's been helping me out with some Enneagram stuff, which has been very interesting and, and seeing some parallels between what we talk about and what I do in real life. And it's helping me to, to open up. And then, you know, like today you reaching out to me for the podcast is, is awesome because it actually, this is a growth for me. I've never done one of these before and, and talking really, I mean, I hate to say it, but talking about these things and not just burying them has, has really helped me to, to grow and start to understand myself. And then in turn helps me to understand the people that I'm trying to serve. So it's, it's been interesting from that standpoint. Um, lot of, lot of, lot of hard pills though to swallow sometimes when you when you realize your own flaws or kind of who you are that can set you back a little bit and then also looking back at maybe where some of this stuff came from and my childhood and and the things that we discussed a little bit earlier about my father and growing up in a split household yeah yeah and those things are so important to look into i went through a course um it's about perceptual intelligence the intelligence of perceiving what's going on around us and um one of the things the, the author kept telling us um, was a lot of times we got these, we're like these people and we're, we're, we're swinging with a machete at the branches that are getting in our face, right? And so we're, we're just sitting here hacking away at branches. These are the problems in our lives, right? And we're just hacking away and we're hacking away when really, we really kind of should be doing some root work. Like if we really want to get rid of these issues, we got to get down and, and, and get it at the root because the branches are always going to come back and we got to deal with this thing at a very deep level. It sounds like you're doing some deep work. That's really what it sounds like. That's, not, that, that's, that's a really good analogy. I like that because yeah, that's, that's pretty much how it felt that I was just always just going after the symptom and really not going after the main cause of what the problem was. Yeah. 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 Well, the reason I feel like it's going to be a real journey for a long time. <laughs> yeah. Well, and I think it's, man, as soon as you embrace that and, and, and lean into it, uh, you can function so much better even while you're going through it. Like, you know, it just becomes part of the process of growing and, and growing yeah. comes with pain and, and, and then, but the more we, we can embrace that pain and move through it, the faster we can grow. It's, it's a really cool continuum where you just start to really like becomes normal a story. I was, um, I, I talk about doing hard things. Like I really do. I, I, I really promote that you should be doing hard stuff every day. Well, yesterday I was talking with the co-founder of brotherhood, Josh price and man, he leaned into me, he leaned into me and he challenged me with something that when I say hard, this is like times eight. And I'm like, like, okay. You know, we do these hard things daily so that we can actually get to the point where we're dealing with the level eight to level 10 difficulties in our life. Um, and so uh, I'm, the, the whole point is there's always something harder probably around the bend. And, and the thing is, is 
we grow so much when we embrace that journey and learn how to deal with the hard things so that the harder things come even a little bit easier. Um, but it, it doesn't go away. <laughs> Just a little encouragement, but it does get better. Well, I, I, I got to 100% agree with that. And I feel like, you know, if I, if it does go away, then I'm almost to the point where I'm scared. I'll revert back to that thing that I was already doing before. Yeah. Yep. You know, yep. so you gotta, you gotta keep digging, man. Yeah. I think if people feel like if they've arrived, then that's the first uh, indication that you're going to backslide back to where you were before. You're going so, back. Yeah. Yeah. That's the reason. This is the reason I reached out to you. Here's why is because you and I, we've known each other for a couple of years and um, I feel like you've reached out to me and, and shared some things that you've gone through over the last few years. And, you know, especially with business, cause you know, I was helping you through with a uh, level method and, um, yeah. and then I saw this, this change and knowing the conversations, the things I'd heard you say, some of the things you've written, I'm like, this is a big deal. Like this, this decision did not come lightly for Brennan. And I feel like uh, he's leaning into some hard times right now and, and ready for growth. And that's the entire reason I reached out to you. Cause I thought there's a story here. Um, and so I want first of all, I want to commend you just for, for doing the hard things that you're doing. What would your advice be to, to a man right now? Who's like, Ooh, this resonates too much. Like I'm feeling like, I need to get back in touch with my family, but I do not know how to escape. Like what advice can you have for someone? Cause I know you went through all of these thoughts. Well, for me, you know, like I knew a while back that I was not aligning with what I truly wanted to do to serve my family and be there for them. And like, I denied that for a long time. And when I denied that, that created this, um, this conflict within me. And that's where I feel a lot of the pain came from. And in the process of owning the gym and doing that stuff, I felt like I kind of lost myself. Like who is Brennan? You know, I th- we talked about that I think a while ago in here on um, something inside the group and you know, like it, the business should not define who I was. And I think that's what happened. And right. so for somebody out there who's maybe feeling like I'm feeling and what I'm going through is that don't ignore those emotions inside you. If something's not right, it's not going to be right. And that is definitely going to, you know, come out in ways that is not going to be good for your family and for the person you probably want the person you want to become, because it's not in alignment, obviously with who you really want to be and, and basically playing that role just to satisfy, I don't know, your ego or your shame. It's not, it's not going to be worth it because when you go through it and you and me looking back, it's like, it's, I, I won't go back. I'm not going back to doing that. People ask me, are you going to open another gym? I'm like, no, that, that's not who I was. That's not going to be me again. Yeah. So um, I, w- I do want to step a little into identity because that is something that we talk about a lot. Um, I think a lot of men actually place their identity in their work. So do you feel like you kind of fell right. into that a little bit? And, and how was that tearing away if you did? Uh, most definitely. And that's, that's probably one of the biggest struggles that I think I'm having right now is that I was so identified with being the business owner, being the coach that I feel like I kind of lost who I was, you know, we talked about how I like to serve and I like to do that stuff. Well, I kind of gave up a lot of that and a lot of that freedom and what I felt kind of made me because of the gym and that. And when I came out of that, you know, like I, I, that, that, that void has been very hard for me to fill. I know I can go surfing in that because that's, that's the superficial side of it. That was, but that was what gave me joy. And then that's what brought me to a place, um, of, 
of excitement and who I really like to be. And now I'm, I'm having a hard time identifying who I am. I know I'm a father. I know I, I love to train and I love to coach people. And I love to help people, but I'm still having a hard time identifying and putting into words, obviously who, who I am. And so that's, that's, been one of the bigger struggles that I'm dealing with after this because I did marry myself to the business, man. Yeah. Yeah. And I'd love, I'd love to just encourage you to keep traveling in that direction. And I'd love to encourage any, any listener who's listening, thinking, uh, I, I want you to ask yourself the question, like, who, who am I? And I remember when I was um, going through this big, who am I identity thing? I mean, I, it was a, I would say a semi-traumatic experience for me for years because I had owned businesses. I'd owned a gym and my, my identity changed so much. And I, I finally realized like, what, who am I? What, what, what am I? And I knew it was a problem when I was asking everybody I met, what do you do for a living? (laughs) It was like the outward thing. I'm like, why do I ask that? (laughs) Because I always identified who I was by how my income, income was produced always. Yeah. I mean, I'm sure not when I was a little kid, but you know, as an adult and uh, that takes a long time. I was at the store waiting in line. Um, believe it or not for ammunition the other day, we actually get to buy that here in, in Texas. Um, I know yeah, California, they might not have that, <laughs> but um, I was, we actually have to wait in line. It's so, it's so hard to get right now. And it was like an hour long wait. And I realized some guy asked me, what I do for a living. And it was really hard because I've worked so hard at being like, that's not who, what defines me. And it, and he went into this thing and he just started talking about all his accolades and all his things. And I'm like, he doesn't have an identity outside of work. Like he does. Right. And, and then he start to, and then from the outside, I'm like, wow, that was me. That's really, really sad. That's really sad. So I'm, yeah. I'm, I'm excited for what's to come. Yeah. You know, you say that and it's weird because like, I'm going to come on the other side of that because I sometimes now I feel maybe, um, a little shame when like, if someone were to ask me, you know, like, what is it that you do? And then I, and then I kind of like tell them, well, you know, I coach and I do this, but I, I don't have a gym and not that that's a bad thing, but when I, my identity was so tied to that one thing that now that I don't have that and I'm in this place of growing and trying to figure out who I am, that answer doesn't come as easy for me. And so then there's this, you know, and the fact, like you said, the fact that we identify ourselves based upon our financial and what we do is so hard on us because that really has nothing to do with the character and the individual you are and being able to express that. Yeah, I'm still trying to define it. I mean, I, the guy asked me that and I have several roles, you know, I contract for Level Method. I'm very, very involved, work well over 40 hours a week with them. And then I'm doing this brotherhood thing. And, um, you know, a dad and husband are at the top of my list. Like those are the, those are the things that define me the most. And I was, I was like, literally he's like, so what do you do? And I'm like, uh, uh. <laughs> it was like this, like, yeah. like, I don't, I don't even know how to answer because I'm it, there's ongoing turmoil with how we define ourselves. And even though exactly. I'm doing so much intentional work on it, I'm telling you, it's going to be a long journey, but it's so worth it because you know, um, what, what do I do for a living? Uh, I'm, I'm present with my family. Thank you very much. I enjoy my time 
that I have on this earth and I'm giving it everything I got while I'm here. That maybe that's my new answer. That's it, man. <laughs> yeah. I, I was just thinking of one too. I'm like, you know, it really doesn't make a difference what I do for our living. It's what I do on this earth and how I create uh, value and, and ch- help to change people's lives and how to be there for my family. That's, that's what's going to be an ultimate impact. So, yeah. And that's, what's so beautiful. Like, um, like this online coaching is you get to make, you know, people ask that, like, I think it's a kind of a fuzzy, let's, let's dive into this for a minute. I think it's kind of a fuzzy place for a lot of people. They're like, you do what, how do you coach people online? Well, the, the beauty of this is, is you can get so deep and do such transformational work in a, in a professional relationship through the phone and online. I mean, I've seen it. I've been a recipient of it and I've been a, re, a giver of it. Um, I don't think people understand until they step into it. And, um, and, and so you've gotten some coaching, some professional coaching, obviously to, to oh, yeah. transition. <laughs> and how has that improved your life? Um, I mean, you know, the standpoint of being able to do this, uh, well, let's talk about the coaching first is that it, it is awesome. The amount of support that you can give to someone through the online platform seems to pay as you know, makes the gym life pale in comparison. I feel that no. most of the people who come to the uh, because I feel most of the people who came to the gym were like trying to check the box and they, they would come in and if they had a problem, it was only served in that time frame because it was really hard to then, you know, keep them accountable. This may have also been problems with my business, but to keep them accountable to the full extent that you can, when you have constant feedback through an online platform and then being able to reach out to them through text and then having phone calls, doing zoom meetings and just being there to support them at a higher level. And then you also start to find out how you can identify these patterns that these people have in their lives that keep defaulting them back to being where they were before. It really has opened my eyes to what, because remember I told you I had a lot of resistance to this because I'm like, well, how's it going to work? You know? And then after now doing it, it's like, wow, it's actually, it's, it's better in in some respects. It's better, you know, besides the personal touch, it's, that's the only thing that's really missing in the relationship. Yeah. And the crazy thing now is it's uh, very, it, we, we don't even get to do that. So it's a really good time to pivot to this, to this online um, or, or distance thing. And um, I, w- I was also having a conversation with a guy and he's like, oh yeah, I did a lot of coaching in my day, but we do it all in person and I had to travel all over the place. How is that working? I'm like, it's incredible. I'm like, it's, it, yeah, I said, you, it, it, it's actually, they don't have to wait for me every week. We can communicate much more frequently. We can be at a very deep level, very fast and get a lot done. And um, without a coach, I'd be stuck two or three years ago still personally. Right. I mean, just imagining where I would be without that person. And I've told people like your friend can't be your coach. Your spouse can't be your coach. Um, your, uh, you know, an acquaintance can't be your coach. It, I mean, can they do it? Yes. Could you coach your parents, um, distance? Yes. But to get to some really big breakthrough, deep dive, it's, it's good to have that teeny bit of, um, disconnect. There's, it's almost a magic between the distance. And, and that sounds so corny, but it really, I've found that it's a, it's almost a, a, a secret weapon. I feel there needs to be, you know, there has to be that connection with the person that you're working with, but that doesn't have to come in person and having that, like you're saying that just enough of a gap and distance between the relationship creates that, that nice sweet spot of, you know, love and then not tolerating people's BS. Well, and that's the thing, like, you know, um, you got to have somebody in your life. You know, I have Josh 
And Josh, unfortunately, Josh is ridiculously good at this, you know, and he's he, um, challenging me in ways that no one, no one would challenge me. He, he said something today or yesterday that, you know, made me want to punch him, but it's true. <laughs> And that's what a coach does, right? That's it, man. That's <laughs> it. They growing. call you on your shit, dude. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. It's like, you jerk. Like, how dare you step that deep into my life and then walking away? I'm like, whatever. He's right. Yeah. And, and I'm but he's right. forced to grow. Forced to grow. Yep. Yeah. So I'm really, uh, from, the, from knowing you for the last few years and take it or leave it, I'm really super proud of what you're doing. I know it's a huge step. Um, and the, the biggest takeaway for me is that you are um, two, two things. One, you're really in search of who you are. And you found that you are not defined by being a gym owner, which I think is huge. Um, and two, you're doing things that are way outside your comfort level. And I think we need to, we need to highlight those things because I think many people are stuck. They're stuck in a rut because they're, they're afraid to step out. Now, I know there's a bunch of uncertainty, but would you change anything to this level of the, the, the changes that you've made? I just would have done it sooner. There you go. Yeah, there you go. That's it, man. You know, like holding off and waiting hasn't served me at all. You know, I'm going to be 45 in um, – February and like I'm looking back and I'm like man I wish I wish I wish I would have taken the pattern of growth sooner and not just settled. Yeah, yeah, I, that's that's awesome. So, um, looking uh, looking twenty thirty years down the road, maybe you're alive, maybe you're not. Hopefully you are. But um, and you you have a magic lens and you see your your kids and their families. What would you say is? Um, success you're like i i did well as a father because you see what you see what is that um i see two happy uh children like i guess they're not gonna be children anymore but two happy adults with their family um they're not concerned with their financial well-being they're concerned with being productive members of society they um are not living up to just some arbitrary lifestyle. They're living a life that they want to live. That's, that would be something I'd really want to impart on them. And um, for myself, you know, my wife and I are, are happily watching from the sidelines and not being overly <laughs> uh, the, the satellite parents still at, at 70 years old and um, living the good life and hopefully participating in some grandkids. I miss, I miss little ones. And uh, that would be ideal. You know, that, that would be it. And, you know, obviously finances always play a role. I'd love to be financially free to do the things I want, but I, in, in all reality, those are just totally secondary to living a a life of happiness and quality. Yeah. Now I, I want to tell you, I asked this question to, um, I did a whole interview series. I did not record it for a podcast, but I did this whole series where I just interviewed a, a lot of men who have grandchildren. Now I called it the legacy interviews and Um, they, I said, what, what brings you joy looking at your children now? And they said, seeing them happy and focused on the right things and being productive adults. Wait. uh, Um, and, and being a grandfather, like the grand, the grandparent thing was, was huge. So you just basically said what, what many, many, many men who've had very successful, um, kids or successful adults grow to successful adults say, so that's really cool. I, I, that's, that's a, very honorable and um, 
great way to look at what your role as a father is. You know, we say you are commissioned as um, to raise future adults, right? You said you, you, you're like, oh, yeah. And so we have to do the, put the work in now so that when they are adults, they know what to do and how to do it. And um, one of those things is helping them not make the mistakes we made, <laughs> like focus too yeah. much on work. <laughs> yeah, well, that's exactly what I was just going to say is that the last, you know, if there's anything that, you know, like when we had the, you just asked that question and like, I want my children to be happy and happiness doesn't actually equate to any kind of financial thing. It really comes from within and, and teaching them how to understand that and not get caught up in, you know, like I've always been one to kind of compare an expectation of myself. And again, it's good to have high expectations of yourself and stuff, but by, by, you know, um, I'm trying to think of the word, but by, you know, basically measuring yourself by that is really not a good way. If you live yeah. a happy life and you can be good for the people around you and leave that mark, I mean, you, you did a good job. Yeah. Yeah. Well, awesome. Thank you so much for being a part of the show. I really appreciate it. It's fun talking to you. Yeah, man, it was great. I'm super stoked I did this. Um, thank you so much for creating the group, the Brotherhood of the Fatherhood. I do go in there quite often when I may be in the dregs and just see some of the stories and things that I see in there. And it, it kind of brings me back into a, a, a good place and understanding oh. that we're not alone in this. So That's right. it's a great group. That's awesome. Hey, everybody, thank you so much for joining in on this great conversation with Brandon Taylor. His details will be in the comments. So if you want to reach out to him, talk to him about his training or um, just about his journey, I'm sure he'll be open to that. Uh, if you have not done so, like hit that subscribe button on the podcast. We would really appreciate it. Leave us a, a review. A few things I want you to know. One, you can get sweet brotherhood gear at brotherhoodfatherhood.com there's no oven there somebody else has that but brotherhoodfatherhood.com and if you want to step up to the next level of being a dad and being a husband that and make some of these moves and have guidance the way that brent brennan has um check out the ultimate dad project.com uh, ultimate dad project.com or the ultimate dad project.com. We went all out on that URL. So again, thank you for being a valued listener. We appreciate every single one of you. Have a great day.